This is your EE Times Weekly Briefing. Today is Friday, March 1st, and these are the top stories this week. This has been a busy week with two major shows unfolding at the same time, Embedded World in Nuremberg and the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. First, we asked Junko Yoshida, who is in Barcelona this week, what caught her eye at Mobile World. There are three things that caught my eyes in Barcelona. First, Qualcomm and Keysight came up smelling like lapel roses. Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 with an X55G modem chip enabled practically every Chinese handset vendor to unveil 5G prototype phones on the show floor. Keysight is a test and measurement equipment vendor. Through its 5G network and channel emulation solutions, Keysight has helped all the top modem and device manufacturers accelerate development of the first wave of commercial 5G smartphones. In its tagline, Qualcomm made sure that everybody who attended the Mobile World Congress understood, quote, this is the age of 5G made real by Qualcomm, unquote. Second thing was foldable phones. They were everywhere. Foldables are officially all the rage. Huawei, Samsung, and LG, they've all got one, although using different technologies. So what's the big deal? Well, for change, smartphones featuring two screens look different. That cosmetics was all that mattered to the consumer press covering the event. Third thing, what was looming large behind closed doors at the Mobile World Congress this year was a battle royale between Huawei and the U.S. officials. Publicly, Huawei's rotating chairman Guo Pin used his keynote to go on the offensive against such American charges as Huawei's rampant IP theft and Huawei telecom gear spying on us. The chairman even claimed, quote, Huawei has not and will never plant backdoors, unquote. This proved nothing but that the U.S. and China are worlds apart, unfortunately in my opinion. Now we turn to Nitin Dahad and Bolaji Ojo, who are both in Nuremberg this week, and ask them to discuss what they saw at Embedded World. This is Bolaji Ojo, and I'm here uh, this evening in Nuremberg, uh, Germany, with Nitin Dahad. This has been a very busy week uh, for Aspen Core. We had uh, coming up the Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which uh, my colleague uh, Junko Yoshida and uh, David Benjamin are covering. Uh, we had the Embedded World event in Nuremberg. Then we had all these other issues happening in the world, the, the global economy, trade talk between uh, the U.S. and China. Uh, we had uh, the U.S.-North Korea trade talk. All of those things, they've been in the news. Now, if you dive deep down into the electronics market, what would you say you would consider some of the top things that's that's shown up this week? You know, uh, it's kind of interesting that um, Embedded World and uh, Mobile World Congress is at the same time. Yeah, it's been that, like that for a couple of a few years now. Uh, but what I'm seeing is uh, there's a lot of convergence of uh, the technologies that are being presented at Mobile World Congress and also here in Nuremberg at Mobile, uh, Embedded World. And uh, to, just to give you a flavor of that, I uh, spoke to Dave Singh, uh, who's head of robotics and drones um, at uh, Qualcomm Technologies. Okay. And he launched uh, a new robotics platform at Mobile World Congress for Qualcomm. 
with a $499 robotics platform development kit with various options on your sort of cameras and imaging and connectivity, LTE, and um, all those kinds of things. And uh, then he flew directly here to Nuremberg to go and brief everybody here. And I was one of the first ones, obviously, he briefed. Um, and I, 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 I wrote about it last night. So uh, that's one. And then uh, Arm and Vodafone, for example, they announced, um, well, it's an extension of their collaboration that they announced in September on iSIMS uh, to sort of connect global connectivity with their Pelion IoT platform. So what they're trying to do is say, well, look, if you want to do get to a trillion connected devices, you need some kind of system that enables you to do that very easily. So what, one of the things that I thought was interesting here was it the you know the technology areas that they were all focused on. So you had artificial intelligence; it mm. continues to be a big topic. Uh, security, of course, continues mm. to be a, a big topic. Autonomous, autonomous driving—it's mm. a huge, huge topic. And at the, at the embedded world event here. Everybody is talking about 5G. What are the big issues in 5G that you found out about during your reporting? I, I think uh, one of the things uh, around 5G is, um, I mean, coming back to reality, um, 5G, people are rolling it out. But I think uh, one of the things I've learned over the last few months and you know, talking to you know, various companies ar around Europe is you know, 4G is pretty pretty good already. Correct. And what 5G is doing currently is just putting a layer on top of that. So we're not going to get to the, you know, the true sort of speeds and networks that mm -hmm. you know, we, we might have expected from 5G. But um, one of the things I saw quite a lot of here um, in Nuremberg is, is, as you said, around security. And if you look everywhere, there yeah. was there was videos of facial recognition, yeah. uh, demonstration, sorry, of facial recognition and deep learning. And, uh, and what they're trying to do is say, we need to put a lot more of this at the edge. Yeah. We need to put a lot of this intelligence at the edge so that you know, we're not sort of suffering all those issues of you know, latency and, and all those. Interestingly, when I talk with folks at Maxim and uh, Infineon, ST, everybody is talking about the significance and the importance and why it's important to embed security yeah. in everything that they do so should security be at the silicon level or should it be at the, at the software level i mean so, just talking at this show the security was a big issue in, in nuremberg um so it started off with arm announcing their psa certified program which basically uh, what they're trying to do is extend their, their PSA program, the platform security architecture, so that uh, people can then now say, well, look, this device is certified. But coming back to your question uh, um, about uh, hardware versus software, it, it's unquestionable that people are saying hardware root of trust is 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 the most you know, secure way of, of en enabling security in that's IoT. What, that's what we found out from Infineon Technologies. What, um, what's their position? Is it Infineon? I think it's Infineon. It's all of them. So, of them. so, so basically, yeah. Whether you're talking about Infineon, ST, uh, NXP, Maxim, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the, the big yeah. It's a, on the microcontroller side and microchip Correct. as well. They're all talking about hardware root of trust. And if you, but that doesn't mean they're saying no software is not important, is it? No, no. I mean, th there's there's different layers, and if you you have to start with a foundation, okay. And the foundation is hardware, okay. But then. As you go up the layers, you need to increase that so that it becomes even more difficult. Because if you think about it, um, security is dynamic. It's never, you're not going to end up with, okay, I've got a secure system. It's always going to be changing. I'm wondering, though, from, from the, all of this, 
is there going to be a single winner, you know, in, in this conversation? No. Or, no. you know, do you see the possibility that there are going to be multiple players in this segment? There will be multiple players, because I think at the end of the day, what you're doing is you're trying to, and, and I, I spoke to Arrow, I spoke to uh, one of Greenhill's software divisions, I spoke to Secure Things, I spoke to lots of companies around security in the whole sort of life cycle of a product, an IoT product. And what uh, everybody says is you have to manage the life cycle of the product. Correct. And so it's not just about putting security in now, but it's managing it all, all the way through. In the first you know, few weeks of commissioning a product, you're going to have to do lots of software updates, over-the-air over the updates. Yeah. So then you need to make sure that that over-the-air update is secure. But then over the life of the product, you need to make sure that um, uh, they get uh, the right updates securely. But also, uh, when the product is actually killed, you need to make sure it's come out of the system so that the codes and, and all the keys and everything are not still there for somebody to use. Final word from you. You know, Nathan, history is the best teacher. You and I have been at this for a long while. Does it mean anything to you in the context of technology? I would say probably yes. I mean, I can't qu qualify it and say, well, yes, this is what. But I think um, having been in this industry, you know, yeah, 30 plus years, one of the things I, I think uh, is, is quite common is you need to have the foundational uh, level and, and for example whether it's AI whether it's security whether we, you know, we're talking about the robotics or whether we're talking about the TI's uh, breakthrough technology that they announced today the press conference here which uh, our colleague Junko Yoshida also covered uh, from Barcelona um, it's kind of saying well look, here's the fundamentals and yeah we need to make sure that we build from these fundamentals I have so much enjoyed this conversation I really I mean you brought up Junko just now which means that I as much as I would like to wrap it up but, I mean, I've seen some of the stories she has filed uh, with David Benjamin from the Mobile World Congress. I, I mean, the first one that I saw that she filed had to do with Huawei, the, the, uh, the Chinese networking equipment company. And I wonder, you know, this is not even a technology story now. This is about, you know, how is the world going to unfold as the U.S. discusses what to do about Huawei? Uh, will it be resolved, you know, via a U.S.? China trade discussion, or will it be resolved, you know, only principally with regard to this one single company? When I was talking with you earlier on, you said to me that you found out something, and yeah. I'd like you to kind of close with that. What did somebody say to you about Huawei's position in all okay. of this? So, obviously, we talked to a lot of people in the industry, and one of the things I've picked up um, over the last two days is we talk about Huawei and, and the whole US-China Almost in trip. isolation, right? Yeah, but I think uh, what's quite clear is Huawei is just a pawn in this whole game. Okay. What is really happening is, you know, US and China need to do a trade deal. If they don't do a trade deal, that's going to have very severe implications on the whole US and European electronics industry, you know, just in terms of, for example, tariffs. You know, that's one thing, Correct. but also availability of, 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 of um, capacity in fabs, for example. Yeah. And, and the latest technology, a lot of the latest technologies are actually with, inside uh, the walls of yeah, the Chinese or, or the Taiwanese fabs. So, uh, yeah, Intel's at stop, stopped at 10 10 nanometers, global foundries, yeah, okay, yeah, they, they've sort of stopped at certain areas. Uh, so what we're going to find is if there is a no trade deal, it's going to have severe consequences for the whole 
US but also European electronics industry. And European electronics industry is always the, the poor second cousin. Uh, and this is what yeah people have been telling me. And that's going to be a big issue for us. Uh, how are we going to get access unless Europe does a good deal with China? Well, those, those are some of the topics that we're going to be covering in the weeks ahead. And I know you're going to be in the thick of it alongside uh, our other colleagues in the U.S. and the other parts of the world. So, Nitin, it's really been a pleasure talking with you, and I'm looking forward to doing it uh, another time. Pleasure. Thank you. This has been your weekly briefing from EE Times and the Aspen Core Global Service. Thanks for listening.